right, welcome back to the big program, final hour of the Kevin Carey Show with co-host David Schlemko, of course, brought to you by and powered by Cougar Paint Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out cougarcollision.com. Uh, you know what, Schlemmer, we've got lots of, again, uh, text coming in. I'm, I'm just ecstatic that the text line's still humming along. A lot of people, uh, we, and we just used the the four major sports. We weren't talking about, we probably could have opened it up, and we could. this could be another in or out uh, down the road. Uh, Manny yeah. Pacquiao and uh, uh, Mayweather. Yeah, that's a good that one. Was, I mean, some great, I mean, that would be the best ones, I guess, if you're talking rivalries. And, yeah. And uh, Brady played against Manning almost every regular season game. Seven times that comes from Curtis. Again, the rivalry, yeah, it's there on the field, but they're not going against each other. It's a quarterback versus defense, quarterback versus defense. That's the other, when you hear quarterbacks, they say, what do you, what do you think about going up against Tom Brady, Peyton Manning? The other quarterback always says, well, I'm, not, I'm not playing against Peyton Manning. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But they're still, those are good points, uh, no question. Yeah, Brent says smartphones ruin the world, Duke. Smartphones ruin the world. It's not really wrong. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, uh, JCD says LA Chargers and Duke. You mentioned because they had expectations. Awful team, just an awful team. Beerman says Ovi and Crosby, very unique in the uh, because of the lockout. The two. First overall picks to start that same year. Rivalry amped up because they were in the same division, so they played each other. That's a true. They're that both is. rookies because of the lockout the same year. For right. the for the first number of years, though, they were not in the same division. Washington playing in the southeast, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and good Crosby point, in the good Atlantic. I guess I would have never caught that. Would you have caught it? Not a chance. Duke. I just I just remember because Washington ran rough shot over that division. Like basically after Ovechkin's first year too, and the Caps were still terrible. After that, they won it mm-hmm. every year because Tampa, Florida, Atlanta—they were all the worst teams in the league. Uh, Daniel texts in and says Magic versus Bird in the NBA, which we discussed, but not in the 21st century, which the Duke helped me out with again. Just you know, <laughs> uh, we're just hooking up with uh, Ray Whitney, the Wizard. Do you know how he got his name, Wizard Schlemmer? I just thought it's because he's like, so crafty with the puck. I would imagine. Do you know who gave it to him? Do, have we got the Wiz no. on the line yet? Uh, no, no wait, oh. he just sent a text to, to Schlemmer here. He's oh. going to need a, a few minutes. So okay. maybe we'll, uh, if if possible, maybe we can just uh, get him at 1020 or if we yeah, jump whatever. out. We'll, we just, we'll get him whenever. Uh, we'll oh. get him whenever. He, he just got off. He's good to go. Oh, all right. Okay. I'll give him a show. We'll call him right now. So um, he must have got that nickname. I don't know. Maybe it was in Florida. We'll have to ask him. But uh, so when you were playing with him in Phoenix, that was your first year. He was 39, I believe. Uh, yeah, my first two years he was there. Yeah. And then he went to Dallas. It's a 40-year-old legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he played until he was 41. Oh, yeah. You know. All right, time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Ray Whitney to the program. Uh, Ray, you're with uh, Kevin Carius and your old teammate, David Schlemko, on Sports 1440. First off, Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you guys as well. I'm sure I'm in a better, better weather than you guys are right now. But I'll be on. Hey, you know what? The true story here, uh, we're still golfing. Uh, there's a course open, oh, Terra Pines. It's uh, opening uh, one more or two more days, uh, and the weather's been fantastic here, Ray. Wow, geez. I mean, I would think by now there would be a lot of snow on the ground. I would well, it, it depends anyway. what you consider fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, right? It's relative. Well, so you're with uh, Kevin Carey, uh, Dave Schlemko, your old teammate, Ray. Just uh, your thoughts on, I mean, Schlemmer lined this up. He shot you off a text. And you remember when you guys first met back in, in Phoenix? It was at the tail end of your career and kind of the start of his career in Phoenix, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember that. Um, I remember his little goatee that he had. And <laughs> his little beard. And, uh, and I remember him playing the Riverboat Gambler back there on defense. It was uh, pretty yeah. uh, uh, so I, I got many passes from Schlemmer. I could always anticipate that. He wasn't an off-the-glass-and-out kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good, Wizard. We were just talking. Uh, we, neither of us knew where the nickname Wizard came from. Uh, I was guessing it was your puck skills, but can you uh, enlighten us on that a little bit? Uh, 
Yeah, I got it in Florida. My first year in Florida, I think it was 98. Um, mm. 90, yeah, 98. And it was by an accident. It wasn't because of – it was because of my puck skills, but I had to have puck skills because of my lack of skating ability. And um, <laughs> I, was, I was on the – on uh, top of the circle for coming uh, for a one timer, I was getting the one timer across the top of the uh, face off circles, and I went to pivot backwards, and I caught a heel and fell down. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> the puck was coming on its way to hit my shin pads, and I'm on my knees now because I fell. And uh, the penalty killers were going to both go down on a two on one, and for my knees, I just poked it through his feet, stood back up, and I passed it to somebody back door, and we scored. So. The announcer Jeff Rimmer, who's now in Columbus, he 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 was a big fan. He went off, he went off and went crazy and called me the wizard. And then it started with some uh, radio shows down there. Just kept it rolling and kept it going. Before you know it, everybody was calling me that. So uh, it wasn't because I was uh, doing something that gifted and, and fancy. It was. Because <laughs> I couldn't pivot to go backwards very well. <laughs> Ray Whitney, our guest, Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on uh, Sports 1440. Before we get to all the NHL stories, uh, Schlemmer and I were going through some old stats from your Spokane Chief days. We ran across Kerry uh, uh, Toporowski and his 500-plus penalty minutes that season when you were there in 1991. Uh, can you explain that? What were you, I guess, what were you witnessing with one of the Topper brothers on the ice when he was with you uh, with uh, the Spokane Chiefs? Well, it, when Topper came in, he came in the year before, and, and I believe, uh, don't quote me, but I believe he had 505 or six minutes, and yep. he missed the record by five or six minutes. So he had a game to do it, too. Uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to get the, the league record. But I believe that record includes 10-minute misconducts. And uh, when he was playing, I don't believe they counted his 10-minute misconducts. Oh, wow. So, um, so I believe he, was, he would have surpassed it by, by quite a bit. But um, it all came from our coaching staff. Uh, Brian Maxwell and Gary Braun were both uh, two big, tough guys. And yeah. um, they were great coaches. But he, we had the highest scoring team that year um, in the Western League, but we also had the toughest team in the league. And not by a little bit. We had the toughest team by quite a bit. So, uh, I think Topper had 66 fights that year. Uh, which <laughs> oh, my <is> God. <laughs> astonishing, you know, and, and I could be honest with you, he might have got a couple ties in there, but uh, I didn't see him get his uh, get his ass kicked oh. once in, in 66 fights. So, um, we went on to the Memorial Cup. We, we played Shakutami, and I think it was the second game we played Shakutami. And I think they thought they would try the, the tough route to see if, if we could handle it, and we had to end up having a five-on-five five in the first period. And at one point, all five of our guys were on top of their five guys, and Topper was beating the hell out of their tough guy. And oh, that pretty much summed it up for them, and then we went on to beat them 7-1. So uh, it was nice as an offensive guy out there, knowing uh, you, you had a lot of room. You had a lot of room with toppers on the ice. And then he scored 17 goals that year, probably because everybody was too scared to go anywhere near him. But, <laughs> yeah, um, probably. You know, but he did get drafted in the third round to San Jose, and um, and he was a good enough player that they, they ended up trading him before the training camp for Doug Wilson, who became the captain and, and the longtime general manager in San Jose. So he was a valuable player for us when we won, and he was, man, he was a tough, he was a tough Mongol for sure. <laughs> so, Wiz, what are you up to now? Are you uh, still in Arizona? Uh, I'm still in Arizona, yeah, and... Uh, um, I work for the league now. I've been working for the Department of Player Safety for about seven years. So, oh, very cool. Um, yeah, so George gets the uh, George Paros gets the brunt of the abuse. Which is, uh, <laughs> yeah, goes, here in the shadows, goes eh? With, yeah, it goes with the territory, but uh, yeah, there's but there's he's not alone in it. There's a few of us that are that are um, part of that program, and um, you're you're liked by half, and you're disliked mm-hmm. by the other half usually on a daily basis. What's the hardest part, Ray? To be a part of that to to look at uh, video, make decisions. What's what's tough on that? Uh, the hardest thing now is the way the game is played. It's uh, you know, it's not quite as I don't know how do you say it. It's, it's not as tough as it used to be, which is good, which is fine. It's it's a very skilled game now. But what we're seeing the problem is a lot of players turn their backs just prior to get hit before they get hit, and you know, we see a lot of these boardings and people are calling for everybody's head on the boarding, but we're we're seeing a lot of these boardings are not necessarily the guy who's hitting that, who's at fault. But, you know, when players turn to the last second right. and expect not to get hit in the numbers, um, it's hard to blame a guy who's going to go hit him, um, not knowing the guy's not going to take the hit. He's going to try to either bail out of it or turn out of it or just mm-hmm. turn his back. And 
Um, and coming as an offensive guy who did more collecting of hits than giving hits, um, I used to do the same thing, but I, I would do it to absorb the hits. That's how I wanted to be hit was in the numbers so I could protect myself, my hands up on the glass and, and accept it. But uh, we don't see it quite the same right now. And, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. It really is, you know, where, where we're trying to encourage players to be impactful in their own safety as well and then not, um, you know, be turning their backs. Sometimes you you, you, you know, um, you get caught in a certain situation. Some guys do a great job and have angles that you're going to get hit now. You have no way out of it. So yeah. um, sometimes you got to accept your hit. And that's the problem we're seeing in the NHL. I think at times we, people are still trying to get out of a hit when they know they're they're dead to rights in the water. So, um, and it usually doesn't end up favorably, uh, favorable for them. So um, that's the biggest hard, the hardest thing for us right now is, is the boarding calls. Well, I'm like, I'm hearing two sides of it for me. One side is that there's no more respect in the game. Guys are running guys from behind. And then the other side of it is these new young D men coming into the league are turning their backs and not ready to be hit. So which well, way, which way do you lean? Bit of both. <laughs> uh, there's, there's both. I wouldn't say the young guys are, um, you know, it, it's a different game as you guys know than, than what it used to be. And it's, it's forwards ND. It's it's people turning their backs. You know, not I wouldn't say it's a respect thing. I just think um, it's a lack of. Am I going to get hit? Am I expecting to get? There's just not a lot of hitting anymore. And then when there is, it's like a surprise to most people. So um, I wouldn't say they they disrespect each other. I think that they just from from shift to shift, game to game, they're not sure. Okay, so am, am I going to get hit this time? Or am I not going to get hit this time? And that's where the confusion is. Where in the old days, you kind of knew Schlemmer. It was kind of a coach's philosophy. Everybody finishes their checks, right? It was just just what that does. It it, it eliminates him from getting up the ice and getting into the play after he moves the puck. It's another way of playing defense, whereas if you lay off that hit, you know, now you're basically just chasing the guy down the ice and he's so we don't see as much of that anymore. Everything's about back pressure and tracking, and um, so they don't necessarily always finish their hits. Sometimes some coaches will say, don't finish that hit, just start back checking, and I think there's a – you know, as a player, sometimes they, they think they're not going to get hit when they do. It's it just, um, I wouldn't say it's a lack of respect, but I think it's just a lack of uh, expectancy. Okay. Ray Whitney, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Uh, David Schlemko, our co-host on Wednesdays uh, for Cougar Paint and Collision. Um, Ray, let's uh, circle back to your playing career. And, and, and specifically, when you sign here in Edmonton and then were, you were placed on waivers, you know, about a month later, how much of a surprise was that? And was it maybe the best thing that ever happened to you, considering how much your career took off after that? Well, it turned out to be the best thing, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, at the time, I was kind of surprised. You know, I um, I had a good training camp and signed opening day. We were in San Jose. And um, after four four games, I had four points and was, you know, playing – thought I was playing okay and then I got scratched and I got a few healthy scratches and then I, I played on the fourth line the rest of the time and um, you know at the time they had Jason Bond Sr. I don't know if you guys remember that yeah. name. Yep. He was, I think he was a fourth overall pick for them and then they had uh, Boyd Devereaux was another first round pick. Um, I don't know if he was that year or the next or, or the prior but uh, Steve Kelly was also another first round pick so they, they kept all three of them and uh, you know, although I wasn't old at 25, I think they they felt like there's not much room for me to play uh, when they're going to keep these three guys. So, Blatt's, um went ahead and put me on waivers, and and it turned out to be the best thing for me. So, um, Chuck Fletcher and Brian Murray in Florida did me a great favor. Not only did I come in, uh, Doug McLean put me on the power play right away, and I played quite a bit, and I ended up having a seven game point streak right out of the gate. So, it all took off from that. So, um, playing at home obviously was was a you know a dream come true playing for the Oilers being that I was part of their organization mm-hmm. as a kid and my dad had been there for some for some time but uh, it ended up being the best move for me. I had a nice chat with your dad in the press box a couple of no, about a month ago and he's still looking great looking solid like he was the uh, the, the Oilers uh, practice goalie for so many years and uh, you were the stick boy if, in case some of our listeners don't know that in the 80s do you have any special fond memories of that time when you're just uh, a pretty young guy and again that's your first uh, kind of wading into the organization here yeah I mean I was around that organization around in locker room anyway since I was 11 or 10 or 11 and um i started working on game nights around 12 13 14 15 and um you know anytime 
you cut Gretzky's sticks every night when he comes in. Uh, it was Stevie Moss and I, he, whoever he saw first, basically, was cutting his sticks and baby powdering his blades. And uh, and the funniest thing was the best player to ever play is uh, he taped the sticks and then I'd baby powder them or Stevie would baby powder them and we'd just leave him one. You know, most guys are, remember, you know, when you get a stick, guys have, they're, they're gamer and they have three spares, but they, they go through a rigorous ordeal to decide which one's going to be the game stick, the yeah. weight, the curve, everything. Uh, 99, just just leaving one on the way out. He didn't care what they looked like or which one it was. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I forgot to leave him one. And I'm standing <laughs> on the bench, handing out the pucks as they go, you know, step on the ice. I'm throwing each guy a puck, and then I get a smack upside the head. He always came out third last, I think, in warm-up, always first during the game. But he smacked me in the back of the head a few times going, you forgot my damn stick again, kid. <laughs> and it's, so here's the best player in the world walking out to warm-ups with no stick. <laughs> so... Uh, but he was great. He was great to everybody. He was great to the staff, and he was great to uh, trainers alike. And um, it was truly what a gift to be around that team in, in the '80s and and be able to watch so much mm. great hockey and be a part of it. And um, and then especially them winning two cups at home when I was there, that was um, you know it was a lot of fun to be a part of. That's really cool. Um, like what a special time to be a part of that. Hey, <laughs> that's good yeah, timing. Yeah, team wasn't bad, right? Yeah. Um, so I was listening to Spit and Chicklets the other day, listening to Wayne on the podcast there, and he was talking about how early he got to games. I think at like two thirty for a seven thirty game. Um, can you just speak about maybe how guys got ready for games in the eighties? Kind of is it a little bit different than uh, when you played and now maybe? Yeah, I think now what guys get their minimum or. I think they had to be there two hours, but if you let them, I think they'd, they'd show up an hour and a half for the game and, and be fine with it. But, um, you know, I'd finish school. I'd be out of school at 3.15 or 3.30, and Dad would um, pick me up, and we'd head into the um, – for the games, and I'd start work. I'd get there about 4, 4.30, and there'd probably be, you know, seven, eight guys there already that were um, you know, in their underwear, drinking coffee, already working on their sticks, uh, just like to be around the, the rank a little bit more. And um, again, they didn't have iPhones. They didn't have stuff to be reading and stuff to be <laughs> Googling or searching. And so, uh, and then being out West a little bit, obviously the games that would be on in the East uh, when they'd come on around five o'clock, I guess, uh, seven o'clock game and start at five. These guys would already be watching the games out, out East. There's always a hockey game on. Right. So right. Um, I just think that back in those days, people watch more hockey. I think today, how often do you see young guys or kids sitting down watching games of hockey? Um, Just you know, and I have a nineteen. I have a nineteen-year-old kid, and you know, I used to not. I couldn't wait for Saturdays so you could get the hockey in Canada and catch the East games and the the mid the mid games and the and the West games. But um, but now everything's out to me. I don't see them studying the game quite like we used to. Not that they have to. It's just. We had nothing else, so I couldn't wait to watch a game. I just don't think you see that as much. Maybe it was why they were there so much. They loved being around the arena back then. Ray Whitney with us on uh, Sports 1440. 1,330 games in the NHL, 1,064 points. Uh, when you got to the NHL, Ray, in the early 90s with San Jose, you would have been playing against a lot of these guys that you were in the dressing room with as a young, young kid. What was that experience like when now you're facing off with these guys on the ice? Yeah, it was kind of funny at times. You know, you'd you'd look at you know, especially Mess, who's always you know serious. You'd look for uh, you know a, a nod or something from him, and you just, he looked at everybody the same. And that was that look was like, I'm gonna rip your head off here right away if you you know get in my way. And so he was kind of scary. And then you had Essatikinen, who just couldn't shut up when he was out there. And every time I went by, he'd be yelling at me to go make go cut his sticks for him or go get him a Gatorade. And, <laughs> Um, you know, so that was, you could expect that from Tick, right? I mean, that's, that's just his mentality. But, but Wayne was always great. Always give me a pad, a pad on the shin pads. And I always talked to him before most games, um, you know, my, behind in the locker room area just to say hi. And um, so most of the guys were really good. I didn't have any, any problems with anybody um, other than Messi used to scare the hell out of me. But um, <laughs> that's what Messi's job was to do. He scared the hell out of everybody. Oh. <laughs> There's no questioning that. Uh, Ray Whitney with us on Sports 1440. Uh, so after Florida and Columbus and uh, I think a stop in Detroit, uh, when you get to Carolina, I mean, 
you kind of get something brewing special there and just touch on, you know, what happened in 06 and, of course, the final with the Oilers. And, uh, is it safe to say that's the highlight of your career? <laughs> yeah. I think any time you win, that's yeah. got to be the highlight, right? And uh, um, it was the first year out of the lockout and the new rules. That's when the rules changed, right? And uh, that obviously made the game a lot easier for guys like me and the guys my size, and um, which is why you see the, the smaller guy in today's game having so much success i mean when you see guys like cole caulfield get drafted early like mm-hmm. that and um in the first round like back in our day regardless as a small guy you weren't going to go that early i mean i had 185 points in junior still went in the second round so um <laughs> it was just a, a different scenario of type of player so the game opened up a lot and i think uh, jim rutherford and management there and Carolina were ahead of the curve a little bit in, in terms of how they built the team and what they foresee, you know, foresaw coming. And that was a lot of power plays. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the time that first year, though, yeah. there had to be at least seven, eight power plays aside just because of the new rules. They were really hammering down. And uh, that certainly helped guys like me, offensive players, um, to, to gain more, more points and, and make the game a little bit more attractive to them. So um, the game itself changed big time that year. And then Obviously, playing the Oilers in the final was bittersweet, I guess. You know, it was such a great run that they had coming in as the eighth seed and, and beating those teams that they did to get to the final. And then um, and then us playing them, you know, playing at home was great. Playing in front of our fam- my family was great. But uh, that was bittersweet winning. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt it for the city of Edmonton because um, I'm still an Oilers fan. I've always been an Oilers fan my whole life. So... Um, you certainly want to see them win again if they ever get the chance. And obviously with the players they have there now, um, you know, you always hope for the best for them, that's for sure. Hey, you love playing for Laviolette too, right? I remember you saying that uh, when we were together in Phoenix. Um, looking back, is he still your favorite coach you played for? Yeah, Lavi was Lavi was great. Um, he, not everybody loved him, I get it. Um, that goes with every coach you couldn't find uh, a unanimous pick for I don't think for for every everybody, but um, he really believed in continuity and family and uh, and everybody being together and, and being a really tight knit group and um, that was really something different that you didn't see a lot of and we, we really had a really tight team in that in that regard and uh, and then his practices were they weren't overly long but man they were fast they were hard for the first twenty twenty five minutes it was all speed gaining skill and. And you, you were tired after four, 25 minutes and then he'd do systems and stuff after like that. But we skated at the end of every practice. And even in the finals, we're still playing in the finals. And when we did practice, he'd have a little skate for us at the end of each one. And it wasn't a long bag skate, but it was, he he opened it up. He made us all hit top speed at some point, right? And uh, I remember people questioning him all the time. Is this late in the season in the finals? Why would you continue to do that? And he, he basically... His analysis was like they're a bunch of thoroughbreds. They've been skating like this all year, all year long. That they're meant to go, and if you stop doing it, they might slow down. So he just kept us moving, and um, and it worked. So, uh, but he was a great man. He, 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 I really enjoyed him. Uh, he challenged me. Him and I got into it a few times, obviously, which I seem to do with everybody. <laughs> so it might be a little bit more on me, but um, I really enjoyed him. I liked his philosophies. I like how he coached. And I like how he had a good. Um, he demanded the team to be, be as tight as it could possibly be. Ray Whitney, our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carries, David Schlemko with you on a Wednesday morning. Uh, so when the two of you, I guess, met professionally in uh, Phoenix, you were the leading scorer on the team, Ray, as a 39-year-old. Uh, what was it about the fountain of youth that kept, um, I guess, your numbers, your performance, your skill level up uh, later in your career? <laughs> so it's funny you ask that. Um, Mike Babcock, who you know, you know, we all you know, we hear stories about. But Mike, whatever he is, he's a he's a thinker and he's a um, you know a psychology major. I think he is. And anyway, we were leaving. I was leaving Dallas one day as a morning skate where I was playing for Dallas, and he came walking out and he asked me the same question. I was forty at the time, and he said, "Ray, why why are you? Uh, what's been able? What's enabled you to be able to play this long and, and successfully?" And I said three things, Babs. I said, first of all, is I don't get out of shape. Um, when a season ends, guys may take a month off, month and a half or whatever, and, and do that. I took about three days. I'd go off, off with the boys and, you know, get, go get drunk every night like, like everybody does. And then uh, I'd be back in the gym, though, three days later. Because uh, when you're older, if you lose a step, you're not getting it back. So I just 
I never got out of shape probably in my last seven, eight years of my career. Um, I said that was number one. Number two, I, I adjusted with the the kids. I know some of the, you hear those stories with old guys demanding players try to enforce the old school ways on, on new players, and um, I was very good at not not doing that as as much as I could. I tried to uh, accept the new player, the new era, the the, the guys who got who grew up with cell phones and mm-hmm. social media and stuff. It's not what I grew up with, but. You can't go there and tell them and yell at them and tell them to get off their phones and do this and do that. It'd be like trying to do that with your kids nowadays. So um, I, adopt, I adapted their, you know, philosophies and what they had to say in the music, which was terrible, but we had to listen to it in the locker room. So <laughs> I just go to another room instead of complaining. I just go to the other room and watch TV. Go to your crosswords. Uh, and then finally, the third thing, the, the final thing I said to him, Babs, I said, you know what? I'm still smarter than everybody out there. You know, there's exceptions, I said, but... I find generationally now we, we build athletes more than we build hockey players. And what I mean by that is it's um, everybody, all we do is work on skill. We work on speed. We work on all these aspects of our game and rather than just put a puck on the ice and, and let them figure out some things on their own. And that's what builds hockey sense. And I said, I think nowadays everybody's so structured and sometimes the thought process doesn't, doesn't work out there for some guys. And, and it always did for me. So, those are the three things that I that I could attribute, and that's what I told Mike back in uh, 2013. That's a great insight. Yeah. I like the hockey sense. Uh, I see that today, uh, especially coaching with like the younger kids. There's there's such a focus on skill, skill, skill. But you know, some kids can toe drag through nine devices in a row, but they can't even make a ten foot pass on yeah. the tape. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see a lot of. Uh, I see a lot of the, how hard can you shoot, how fast can you skate, can you transition, can you backward skate, uh, can you go around the cones, can you do, I would say, take the cones off the ice and um, put the players out there and, and let them figure out, you know, a lot of it themselves. And you'd be surprised at how much better they will they will get and figure it out. And if you get those little kids to watch some hockey games, um, you, you learn all of it just by osmosis almost. You just watch it and you're like, you see the same plays happening all the time in the same plays. Uh, offensively, you, you eventually it just becomes ingrained in your brain, and um, you don't get that with with pylons and tires and you know little stick contraptions. I mean, it's it's good <laughs> yeah, if you're doing a skill exactly. session, but uh, if that's all you're doing every day, I don't see where you're building any hockey sense and um, hockey knowledge. And I think that's probably that separates the best players today from from the ones who are just uh, good players. Mm-hmm. Ray, wouldn't meet with us on uh, Sports 1440. Uh, just uh, maybe one or two quick ones for you, Ray. And uh, Connor McDavid was a big hot topic of, of conversation with us uh, this morning on the show after his performance last night. Are you just uh, amazed like everyone else when you watch this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I sure he is. I mean, he's the one player that um, even as a, an ex-player, uh, you, you make sure you tune, you tune in. Um, if he plays 82 nights, I bet I watch 80 of them. Mm. Um just because he's he's doing things that we, we've never seen, he's doing them at a speed that we've never seen, and um, and and to get to Schlemmer, what I what I meant by everybody working on their skills, and there's two people that kind of ruined hockey <laughs> yeah. a little bit in a sense, and it's Connor McDavid and, and Patrick Kane, and everybody wants to be able to to skate as fast, stick handle as fast, and and stick handle as much as they do, but those two are savants, you know, those are exceptions. You know, and I see kids nowadays, everybody tries to skate as fast as they can. They try to have as many touches to handling as they can rather than if you watch Gretzky and even Crosby, for that matter, they just push the puck down the ice until they have to stick handle. They can stick handle, but they don't run the risk of it rolling or wobbling. And mm-hmm. um, and nobody does it better than Patrick Kane and Connor McDavid. And, and so everybody tries to emulate that, which is great to try to emulate it, but uh, it's also really, really tough to do, especially at the speed they're going. But, um, again, great performance by him last night. And I know yeah. he had a little dip there. I think he was injured for a little bit in the middle of the season where his production dropped off a touch by his standards. But he truly is uh, a generational player and one of the best, that I think, that we're ever going to see. I don't – I just don't see it getting much better than him because um, if you go any faster, I mean, <laughs> hell, the cameras will catch keep up with you. But um, he is certainly fun to watch, isn't he? And uh, last night, again, another great performance by him last night. Um, I always kind of close these off, uh, Ray, with if you have a question for Schlemmer that you maybe wanted to ask him over the years about your time together or whatever. Schlemmer, same thing. Have you got a question for for the Wiz about anything maybe of your time together? Uh, kind of go ahead. So the floor is open. You want to, if you've got something off the top of your head, Schlemmer and Wiz can maybe think on something. Yeah, I got something off the top. No, 
off the top of my head. Yeah, I got them on top of my head. <laughs> no, you, go ahead, Schwimmer. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been watching this, uh, following the Circle K Classic, the Midget AAA tournament here in Calgary, and uh, yeah. saw they have the Phoenix Junior Coyotes, and uh, Steve Sullivan and Derek Morris were the coaches. Uh, do you, you, ever mm-hmm. t- you ever talk to those guys at all? You get in on that coaching? I, I know your kids are still playing hockey, right? Yeah, I got a kid who's playing uh, playing in, in California, playing junior in California right now. I only have one. Okay, uh, one boy is playing. Um, my girls aren't playing, um, but he's six foot five, so people don't even believe he's mine. <laughs> you know, he's, so, <laughs> so yeah, Bridget tight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I co- I coached his team for about seven years, so I did the minor hockey coaching stuff. Okay, so, right on. Uh, yeah, and then uh, my son played in that tournament with the Phoenix Coyotes. Uh, I think it was last year. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, okay. last year. I was uh, assistant GM with Donor at the Spangler Cup, and my son was with us, and he had to leave from Switzerland, went right to Calgary and played in that tournament. Okay, so, cool. Uh, so, so Sully was his assistant coach last year, and I've seen Derek Morris a little bit, not as often as, I, as, I, you know, as you'd expect being in the Valley here, but they're both good coaches. They're both running a good program. The, the Junior Coyotes has a, a really nice program here. Um, you know, like anything, though, you know, hockey parents are a little bit a little bit crazy and yeah. there's always something. The better they get, the better they think their opportunity is elsewhere a lot of times and they'll they'll go out head to east to to academies and, and things like that. But right. uh, the program here is pretty good mm-hmm. and they're doing a really good job of it. So um if you guys uh, I don't know how they did this year at the at the tournament but um, I lost to the final to Shattuck. Oh, did they okay yeah. good that's a good heck of a run then. Yeah. yeah. So, weren't um, you up uh, it is a little different I, Weren't you up, Rachel, for the Johnny Reed? Were you up for with the Johnny Reed Bantam a few years back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I brought our boys up there yeah. that year uh, for the Johnny Reed, and uh, that was great. That was going around when I was mm-hmm. I, I played in that one when I was in Bantam in St. Albert, and uh, they they enjoyed that. It's it's fun to get your guys out of the U.S. and play some Canadian teams and play some um, small town Canadian teams. Where you realize they're like we talked earlier about finishing your checks. We played Red Deer the one <laughs> yeah. game, and I don't think our kids had ever been hit that many times in their lives. And it was just <laughs> finishing every check. You guys did not pass one of these these farm boys from uh, out in the middle of the, you know Red Deer's a big town. I think there's a few of them there from the farm there on that team though because they were some strong strong boys. And um, we had a great game with them. Uh, we beat a couple academies. Um, so it was a great experience for us in that tournament. Some really great hockey players. Have you playing, got so. Have you got one last little question you wanted to ask uh, Schlemmer here before we let you go? Yeah, I mean, again, our time was short and 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 together, and I can still, you know, I remember how he skates. I can remember his, uh, you know, his curve on a stick, and that's basically what I wanted to talk about. For <laughs> as skilled as Schlemmer was, and everybody out there who didn't get the chance to see him, he actually was a very skilled uh, defenseman with great hockey sense. But I had no idea how you did anything with that. <laughs> useless piece of wood that you had as a stick so I wondered I just, when I, did you not think you could change or did you just like it's okay this is my budget I'm just they're giving me a box stick or did you just say just go ahead and he made best do with it okay <laughs> <laughs> so Wizard and I sat next to each other in the room and he's always chirping my curve <laughs> it's pretty straight okay? it's yeah. pretty pretty straight curve I couldn't use a banana hook as a D-man like Wizard I don't know I, I couldn't pass flat with a big curve hmm. so I don't know that's oh. what that's what worked for me that's, that's what I stuck with oh yeah, it was funny. It was funny. We we, we did sit, sit next to each other, and, and uh, we we weren't there a lot because uh, you know Slummer would be in there getting dressed. So I usually came in around seven eight minutes to get dressed, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't there very long. And, and then don't and then donor would come in about three minutes after me every time, and and he'd always be the last one on. So I don't know how many times I cut his laces just to see if he could still get on time. But uh, but he always did. Yeah. Hey, Race, thanks so much. We took way too much of your time. It just kept going on and on. But uh, thanks for coming on. you got a lot of great fans here that uh, followed you, still uh, follow you, and uh, and uh, are big, big uh, supporters and fans of you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, continued success. Thanks. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Happy to, uh, New Year to you guys as well. Thanks, Wizard. That's uh, Ray Whitney, former NHLer and our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. We're going to have to do the David Letterman thing after this next break, Duke. Uh, we're back with more on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 with our co-host David Schlemko right after the break.
All right, welcome back to the big program. Coming up in about two, three, or four minutes, we're going to have a real short segment here because we went extra long with uh, Ray Whitney. Uh, We will talk with Howie Draper, former Pandas coach, now coaching the New York entry in the Professional Women's Hockey League. Uh, Wiz, when's the last time you talked to Ray Whitney? Oh, I don't even know. It's been years. It's been a while. Yeah. Again, I saw him up in the press box. Uh, his dad, Floyd. Again, we got a couple texts coming in. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Sparky says, I got to know Ray back in 06, uh, building his home in Fort Saskin and have become great friends with his father, Fuzz. Yes, Floyd. Uh, <laughs> greatest family you could ever know. That comes from uh, Sparky. Dallas, the farmer, wanted to ask, sorry, missed this, ask about uh, the difference uh, in the series back in 06 was the Rollison injury. You know, everyone you talk to on the on the uh, Carolina team goes, we knew we were going to win Game 7. Everyone on the Oilers team goes, after what happened in Game 6, we thought we were going to win Game 7. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of, I'm not just saying this because of the Oilers. The Oilers were so good in Game 6. They, to a man, thought that they were going to go in and win that. And it was a close game, 2-1 till, you know, 45 or a minute, whatever, with the empty net goal. So Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. No question about it. So uh, when we come back, uh, we will check in with uh, Howie Draper, who's taken 10 minutes out from his practice prep time with the New York entry after a big win over Toronto to kick off the PWHL. That's coming up right after the break. Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, welcome back to the big program. Talk about uh, a little malfunction at the junction. I'll take all the heat on this again, Duke. It's all me. Uh, we just were talking to Howie Draper on the phone. That was going to be our next guest, Kevin Carey's David Schlemko on Sports 1440. I texted Howie and I said, uh, 1040, a, you know, uh, Edmonton time. And he thought it meant 1240 Edmonton time. So 240 uh, New York time. Howie... Uh, Draper is the head coach of the New York entry into uh, the PWHL. So, unfortunately, Howie is in practice. He, he's, he's, he literally was, he said, he's like, I'm about to step on the ice yeah. as he uh, picked up the call. So, uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll catch up with Coach mm-hmm. Draper uh, down the line here a little bit. Glad to know he's working yes. hard, though, all the same. And the one thing I wanted to ask him is the fact that uh, as soon as he leaves, I mean, what, six shutouts in a row for the Pandas heading, actually heading seven into the break yeah. the, the oh, one, over the, the oh, non-conference game, game here yeah. Uh, yeah. they got a good they squad a this good year squad. so we were going to have our St. Albert Dodge uh, game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge to look back at the New York Toronto game on Monday January 1st that was a 4 nothing shutout uh, uh, by New York Howie Draper's team and then preview this week's game between Toronto and New York the rematch so we'll have to switch gears here on the fly, uh, but we will look back at the Oilers game last night a little bit more and and talk about the Oilers here, but it still is the uh, game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps available, 0% for up to 72 months on select models, uh, 0% also available on Ram 1500s only at stalbertdodge.com. So Oilers last night, we, we sort of touched on it off the top uh, when you came on, Schlemmer. The team has been streaky. We that's just been really how, how the team has gone this year. So I guess you want to stay on the good streaks and be consistent on the bad streaks. But how do you handle that up and down, up and down as a as a you know being a former NHLer as a player? How do you kind of s- try to keep things even keel, but always positive at the same time? Well, that's that's a tough part of an 82-game schedule, right? It, it is a grind, and you're going to have lulls. Like you talked about, Vancouver's going to have a lull. Of course they are. Every team's going to have multiple lulls over the season. But I think the key is, like you said, not get too high, not get too low. The best coaches in the league do a really good job of managing this, mm-hmm. managing your energy, managing you know your positivity when to skate when not to skate when to give the boys kick in the ass you know when to pick them up all that kind of stuff is uh comes into play over the course of an 82 game season so we were talking about evan bouchard earlier i wanted to get to he was a little extra evany with the puck last night <laughs> in the d zone you call it evany <laughs> bushy yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what you thought he was overhandling a little bit just, just like some of those casual turnovers that he mm-hmm. had at the start of the year where he just looks like he just kind of careless. Out as there. a whole, though, there were a lot of, in the first period, a lot of hope passes. Fogel had a, had one. Uh, Leon had one. Just 
you know, kind of no lookers going, ah, guy could be there. Yeah. But, and we did see a little bit in, in the defensive zone, but I wanted to kind of branch off to Darnell Nurse and how he's been playing. How would you assess his play compared to the level, the high level that he's played in the past? Where is he at with his game right now? Well, with Darnell, I think if you don't notice him, he's doing his job. Mm-hmm. Right, like he's not that guy that you want to see rushing the puck up the ice or really standing out. When he stands out, it's because he's turning pucks over or he's making bad reads in the D zone. I haven't really noticed him much lately, and that's that's got to be a good thing for him. That means he's just playing steady. He's keeping it simple. He's he's not getting caught. He's not making bad reads. So I think when he's just playing steady mm-hmm. and you're not noticing him, that's. That's great. What about the passes? The one was a slap pass. One was a hard pass for a one timer in Anaheim. Uh, Leon yeah. Rice. Like I mean, those were good look. Those were unreal. Like I mean, he's even the look <sighs> up the middle of the Drysital on the. I was right at the start of the game where yeah. Drysital almost. Or as Murray McLeod took or Fogel took the penalty where he fell there at the end. Okay. Yeah. But. Um, Darnell just took one step out from behind the net, snapped it right on the tape, right up the middle to dry settle with speed. Those are the kind of the breakout passes we weren't seeing connect at the start of the year when mm-hmm. we were losing every game. When we had the Wiz on, he was saying out of 82 games, he watches Connor probably 80 or the Oilers 80 times. I guess we shouldn't just say Connor. He's watching 80 out of 82 Oilers games, which is phenomenal. That just tells you how much he wants to watch the Oilers. When you're watching other games, what other defensemen, like say there's a game on, ah, oh, I want to watch this one. I want, maybe it's Vancouver or, or Colorado. Is there, yep. if, if there's a game on, I, I really want to watch this defenseman. Um, well, Makara and Hughes are obvious ones. Um, I also, I really like watching Shea Theodore mm-hmm. in Vegas. I think he's fun to watch. Um, I like Heiskanen in Dallas. I like watching Roman Yossi in Nashville. He's just all over the place. He's like a more of a rover than a D-man. Yeah. But it's they're fun to watch, right? They're fun guys to watch. They make plays, and I think that's why everyone likes watching the Oilers so much. They're a fun team to watch. They are a fun team to watch. Kevin Carey's David Schlemko, Sports 1440. Um, we have touched on a lot of players, and I... When you're looking at a team right now that is firing on, on all cylinders, mostly because you have, you know, line A, which is going great, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman. Line B is going very well as well. Fogel, um, Leon, and then McLeod. So on your third line, you've got a situation where you have Evander Kane. Evander Kane is going, hmm, my... Not, my time with the top six is being taken away because of the play of McLeod and Fogel. That yep. is a fact. And now to balance things out, and it's been a good balance because that line with so far with Derek Ryan and Ben Connor Brown, whatever you want to look at, has been able to, they've been great defensively. They haven't been scored on. They've been, they've looked, They've created offensively. How do you handle that if you were a player in of Evander Kane where he signs here because he's assuming that he's going to play with either Connor or Leon, but now he's not. He's not having that opportunity for this two-week stretch here. How do you handle that as a pro? You be a pro, <laughs> right? You do your job. I think he hasn't had any shortage of opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at his whole year. He starts off the year really sleepy, right? He's not getting a lot of opportunity, so what does he do? He steps up his physical game, right? He brings his emotional level up, and he starts playing hard and playing with emotion and gets more ice time, starts scoring goals. Now he's feeling good. He's he's the guy, and it, it almost seems like he's relaxed a little bit again. You don't see him... Right. You're not seeing him running around, finishing every check anymore. And I think that's what opens up ice for him. When he's playing like that, he's going to get that extra space, that extra time to get that shot off where when there, he's trying to just be a skill guy, I don't think he's as effective. There was a shift yesterday in the second period where he, uh, there was a change on the fly and he was still out and Leon and Fogel were on the ice. 
and it almost looked like he was trying so hard to impress, to play well, staying out past his, you know, he he did the right thing. Not, he didn't stay out long. He did the right thing by staying out, creating offense. But you could see he was like, all right, I'm with Leon. You know, you yeah. got that feeling. Yeah. You know. I mean, everybody wants to play yeah. more. Everyone wants to play with the best players they can play with. And, you know, having that inner competition, I think, is a good thing. What do you think of the order schedule here? So, uh, day off today, they had pretty good Christmas break. They still have games in hand on everybody, but Ottawa comes in here. What do you make of this next game where you know you're going out on the road all next week and you've got the team that's basically the worst team out east? How do you not look past this one in Ottawa on Saturday night? Yeah, it's a trap game, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> big, big time trap game. Because um, Ottawa's not really a last place team. They're going to play hard and led by Brady Kachuk. He's an emotional leader. Mm-hmm. Things haven't been going well there. They're going to get they're going to get a hard work in Ottawa team and they better be ready for him. Uh Steve texting uh, 18334041440. I'm shocked at the text line. Maybe they're on the 2-hour thing just like Howie Draper, eh, Duke? You know. <laughs> Possible. It's possible. Very possible. You could at, at eleven o'clock here. Well, we'll everything's going to go. Frenzy starts. And all of a sudden, the uh, the line goes dark and dim, and all of a sudden, Connor and I are, uh, you know, we mono- monologuing for an hour straight with no uh, questions about tonight's two hockey games for your <laughs> fantasy lineups. And then we'll get Jackie Ray, who sent the text, uh, the email out. We'll get Jackie Ray to line up Howie Draper next time because <laughs> yeah, they'll be on the they're same. They're on the same. They're, uh, on, they're operating on ET. Uh, anyway, uh, Steve from Drama Heller texts in Bouchard in his casual back check kind of drives me nuts at times. Um, I don't know which one he's talking about here. Was it? Was it the? Uh, could be the uh, Mark Stahl goal. It could uh, be. I, uh, it wasn't sure. really Bouchard back checking the stall goal. Like all the four, because there were yeah. four guys back, but they were all to that one side of the ace. Yeah. And Speck, yeah. Speck mentioned it when he was on. He's like, you don't expect Mark Stahl mm. to be the one jumping up into the play, but there were still two blue sweaters behind Mark Stahl that could see he was mm-hmm. jumping up in the play and left him completely wide open. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, whether you're Mark Stahl or Connor McDavid, you get the puck in that spot, you're probably going to score. You're an NHL player. Yeah, I thought that was more McLeod's kind of pick up on the trailer mm-hmm. on that goal. I, I don't know which play he's talking about, but I kind of know what he means. It's like sometimes when he turns the puck over or gets beat, like there's no desperation to get back and recover. It's yeah. just kind of like, oh, oh well, <laughs> saunter back. <laughs> <laughs> we're really going to fire up the uh, St. Albert Dodge game of the day tomorrow. Uh, we thought we were going to do it with Howie today, but uh, unfortunately Howie and myself uh, – we're out to lunch on the time uh, zone differences. Uh, uh, game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, they've got 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up, waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. Savings up to $14,000. Uh, 2024, you got any, do you do resolutions, Schlemmer, anything like that? No? Oh, not technically. I like to maybe start working out a little bit more, getting a little bit soft bodied over the holidays. You know? Do you notice? Like, I, do you notice you put on some weight? Like, can you feel? I just feel. I don't know weight, but I feel soft. a little softer. Uh, a lot of butter tarts over the holidays. You know? How many did you have? Oh, a hundred. Is that your? I don't know. Is that your crutch? Butter tarts? Uh, I I like them a lot. I've got something for you next week. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm gonna just so I can get them get rid of them. They're their best butter tarts from the mother-in-law. But I look at them every day, and they're in the freezer, and I just go, "Oh man, they get out of the freezer." I know. I love them out of the freezer. <laughs> but just again, try to get into a little better physical condition. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention next Wednesday, there will be a media slash Oilers alumni game next Wednesday night at the Meadows, 7.15. There's a Quick Card Minor Hockey Week gets underway next week. you got great memories from Quick Card. Oh, yeah. You went shelf. You're, come on. You're, oh, you want me to tell it? Yeah, you went okay. shelf. So, Is it one, was it one-on-one? They went down. Yeah, there. it was Minor <laughs> Hockey Week finals. Pee-wee won. I, I can't even think of the year. <laughs> but, uh, we were playing St. Albert. I was on KC. Went to overtime one-on-one. We pulled the goalie and uh, scored. Slap shot, top shelf, glove to win it all. (laughs) My last minor hockey week. What a memory. Did they have minor hockey week in Delburn, Duke? 
no. Um, <laughs> but we do have we do have uh, every December usually on like the town snowflake Saturday kind of like oh. Christmas things. Uh, we have hockey day in Delburn, which is every age level of the minor hockey plays and then in the more recent years since we got our mm-hmm. senior team um culminating with the senior game uh kind of as the nightcap so that's as close as we get so all three of us are going to be playing next week it's wednesday come on out and watch it at the meadows uh, as quick card minor hockey week kicks off we'll have guests in later in the week uh, to discuss it's a big event i mean it's the biggest tournament in the world that's awesome uh, and i mean you have ten thousand players you have the volunteer the refs you know they donate their time oh yeah so it's it's Is it still straight time I would believe so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they got a few games to get through, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I remember that was the different part. We're just hoping right? that the media game is straight time. It was straight time. If you got like the lead, you'd be changing slow. And <laughs> We're trying to get steady. <laughs> Taking your time, coming back on icing. Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds like me playing uh, Tropics Beer League yeah. on Sunday nights when we only have eight skaters. <laughs> well, will ask Laddie. He's uh, like, the, all these guys are in the media now. So we could have a good media team. Yeah, we could have. You never know. But we've also got a couple. I'll happily eat the uh, the health bomb if uh, if Struddy and Laddie and we all start filling out the roster a little oh, no. bit. No, I'll, no. Co- I'll coach. No, 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 no. Cam Tate's coaching. Who's the goalie? Uh, Kent Morrison from CTV, who's pretty good. Oh, nice. Yeah, good player. Good goalie. Well, he's a terrible goalie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks to all our guests today, Jeff Merrick, uh, Mark Spector, uh, Ray Whitney, and almost Howie Draper. We'll get on Howie, uh, get him on another time. And, of course, our uh, co-host for Cougar Paint and Collision, uh, David Schlemko. Top of the hour, it's Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Rochef T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn at uh, 11 o'clock to 12. And then at 12 to 2 is uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Hopefully they've got the text line rolling. 2 to 6 is Jason Greger and the Jason Greger Show taking us home on Sports 1440. Thanks so much to all our listeners and all our texters. It was a lot of fun uh, receiving all kinds of texts this morning, good and bad. Bring them on. Enjoy it. Uh, have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning at 7. I'm not sure if Laddie on tomorrow or not if he's still in transit from Czech and how about he's so fired up I texted him yesterday about Czech oh he must be on top of the world he's just (laughs) ecstatic he was just you could just see the big grin Uh, we'll see if Laddie's going to be on tomorrow Uh, but we will have a whole uh, lineup of uh, great guests tomorrow at 7 o'clock thanks for listening have a wonderful day up next here's the Duke with the Sports 1440 update